Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, coming to you today again from Zoom. Um, as I was just speaking to my guest, uh, um, the universe keeps sending me wonderful guests to talk to in this uh, in this medium, and I know I like that part of that. This that I feel like the universe is supporting this effort. Uh, not to mention the, the the wonderful feedback I get from you guys, and so. Uh, Let's get these couple things out of the way. Uh, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is a uh, the 12 steps for all. Uh, traditionally, uh, uh, the 12 steps was limited to people who were dealing with some kind of either behavioral, some specific behavioral or uh, chemical uh, dependence problem. Uh, you kind of had to have an ism to qualify. Um well, we believe and have come to find that the 12 steps are, are is a modality of healing that'll work even if you don't have something particular, somebody that doesn't necessarily fit in a traditional 12-step program. Uh, the tools are valid uh, in a variation of, uh, of, of just about every uh, modern or ancient and modern healing systems and stuff like uh, take a look at yourself. Ultimately, what it comes down to is it's an inside job. <laughs> uh, what you're seeking is not out there. It is inside you, and uh, these steps will help uh, remove the blocks and uh, allow you to process uh, your past in order to move forward in a in a in a productive and healing and in in uh, a serene, peaceful life. Happy and useful is what I say today. It is uh, hits three people mostly. Is what we see. Uh, it's for those who don't have a ism that don't fit in a normal tra uh, traditional 12-step program. It is for those who are currently in a 12-step program and want a deeper dive. And it hits these folks that sometimes people just, you know, they've tried 12-step recovery in certain areas and they've said, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get with AA or I couldn't get with Al-Anon. Uh, this is kind of a backdoor to the same tools and uh, not, uh, not laser beam focused on, um, one problem such as the way singleness of purpose in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is and things like that. 12-step spiritual recovery, James Christopher Cohn. We have meetings weekly. We were at an inaugural meeting yesterday. A brand new meeting popped up in Louisville and uh, we went and uh, joined it yesterday. So it's continuing to grow in a, in a really neat thing. Uh, Darren Frank's friend of mine, his music is wrapped around this, and I want to always thank him for allowing me to use his royalty-free music. And uh, you know, it's another thing that I know how this podcast was supported because uh, he just writes such cool stuff, and it just fit exactly perfect. And the pieces of the puzzle fall together, and uh, that that is when I know my compass needle is pointing in my north. And finally, my little business. DTM Woodwork and Handyman, if you need any of that kind of woodwork or handyman services in the Louisville metropolitan area and surrounding areas, uh, contact me. You can contact me at dan at dtmww.net. We'll get those things out of the way. Uh, for the most part, I do this thing for fun and for free. Um, never aimed at making this something that was going to support me uh, in financially. What it does is supports me uh, spiritually. It is my, uh, had a friend tell me, you must participate in your own recovery. And so far the universe has offered me some really unique ways to do that. And, uh, and carrying a message of healing people and uh, 
helping people move forward in their lives is something I'm, uh, is a mission of mine. And, and that's part of what this podcast is about. It's uh, primarily 12 step recovery based, but I do delve into and explore other areas in which people uh, find their true selves, find their true voice. Um, there are so many tools out there to do that. And, uh, and it's a great thing because not everybody can use the same one. So uh, hopefully something comes by that will help you and uh, kind of ping your inner soul and saying, hey, that's something I would like to try. So my guest today is Anissa. And help me with your last name. Hudak. Hudak. Just like it sounds, just like it looks. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Anissa is a 500-hour registered yoga teacher. Yes, sir. And uh, and looks like focusing on um, like trauma-type of informed yoga is that sound right? Why don't you tell me what you do instead of me guessing? Well, I'm a certified yoga therapist as well as a 500 RIT, registered yoga trainer. And um, I am specifically trained to work with people who have um, PTSD and TBIs, traumatic brain injuries. Mm. So I, uh, you know, I, I love what I do. I have the best gig in the world. Um, a lot of the times I, you know, my whole scope is just to make people cry on their mats. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. Um, it can be. I've done it. it. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, but no, I really do. I have the best gig in the world because, you know, within an hour, I can see people who, um, you know, walk in with the weight of the world on their, their shoulders and over their heads and they make a shift on the mat and all of a sudden they're lighter and they're brighter and they know that they can continue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the yoga is something more than just exercise. Uh, I didn't know it. I got tricked into going to a yoga class in uh, 2016. I was about 18 months sober and a friend, uh, a girlfriend uh, wanted to do something special for me for my birthday. And that would have been this month in 2016. But she said, you're just going to have to trust me. I'm taking you someplace. You're just going to have to trust me and go with me. You can't ask me where. And I, that was tough. And uh, when we got to where we were going, well, a couple of days before we got to a couple of days before I said, you at least got to tell me what to wear. Cause I need to know if I need a tie on or what she said, just wear shorts and t-shirt. And I thought, well, we're going to get a massage, I guess. <laughs> and when she pulled up outside the building, uh, she, I didn't, you know, there wasn't any signs that told me that right off the bat, but when she popped the trunk and got a couple of yoga mats out of the back of it, uh, she was right. I would have ran given my own, on my own devices, I would have left. Uh, and, um, I did trust her and I went up into what was called a, uh, Y 12 SR yoga class, which is combines the 12 steps in recovery. So it's half of a 12 step meeting and half hour and a half meeting, 45 minutes of a discussion meeting. That's typical of 12 steps. And the other, uh, the other 45 minutes was, uh, yoga and I fell in love. I knew after being, after that first 45 minutes, that something reached inside my soul and touched me in some way that I had not been touched before. Uh, so, uh, I use that story to say, you know, that, uh, there's a lot more to yoga than just the poses. 
there's so much more to yoga than just the poses. And, you know, I've seen that happen again and again. I've had the the absolute honor to work at Fort Riley uh, at their Warrior Transition Battalion, mm-hmm. which is where all of the soldiers that are ill, um, sick, have some sort of a, you know, situation, they're all put into this battalion and we work with them. And, um, you know, these guys, they would come in and they'd be like, well, you know, we're going to like move a little bit and it'll be like ballet and then we're going to take a nap. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. And so we do this and then somewhere, you know, between the beginning and the end, they fall in love with it. And then they come up to me really quietly and they say, oh, ma'am, I'll see you next week. This was, this was something. This was not what I expected. And this was really cool. Okay. I'll see you next week. And so I'd see them next week and then the week after and the week after, and they'd really get into it. And then they'd start bringing their friends. Dude, you got to try this. This isn't what you think it is. You know, come here, you got to try this, get on a mat. And, you know, it was just really interesting to watch them make that incredible shift. Um, I can imagine. I did did have the opportunity, funny story, to work with um, the Kansas State University football team. And these big, huge guys came in and they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to move around and be like ballet and then we're going to take a nap and, you know, whatever. I said, really? Is that what we're going to do? Okay. And so I put them through the paces and this was very different. This was a fitness-based class. It was not my typical, you know, therapy class. I mean, I gave them a real physical class and most of them would not finish. Most of them, by the 35 minute mark, they were tapped out. Yeah. And they sat there and watched and they said, uh, what just happened? I said, well, quite frankly, you got your ass kicked. Yeah. Um, you know, and they were really shocked at how physical mm-hmm. yoga can be. Um, and, and, you know, physical yoga is great. But really, especially with the yoga that I do, we're doing a lot more brain work than mm-hmm. we are with the asanas, with the poses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the poses are, are just kind of a, a way of going about fixing and, and getting the, the head straight and the thinking straight and the heart straight. And it's just, it's a wonderful modality to do that. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things was uh, a saying it come from someplace, and I think it was Y12SR, but it said the issues are in your tissues. Issues and, are in your uh, tissues. That is the first thing on my website. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have talked me into believing that until I experienced it. Um, what is the, what kind of like, you know, and I am, I um, am a 200 hour teacher. Uh, I loved it so much that uh, I just continued to practice more and more and more. And when the studio owner said, Hey, Dan, you should come to teacher training. Uh, I just said, yes, <laughs> I will. And, uh, and I really, I didn't really have my sights set on teaching. Uh, I wanted to improve my personal practice, you know, and I was open to teaching, but that's not like where I was going that, Hey, I want to be a yoga teacher. Um, and it was such a, that was such a wonderful program to begin with, but what's allowed me to do is like, uh, is that I hold, I do, I can teach yoga with my buddies, you know, and, and with people, uh, I hold a retreat every year and we get up in the morning and do yoga and 
you know, but it really did. The sad thing was, is that I graduated um, 10 months before COVID hit and all our yoga studios closed down and having a personal strong practice uh, really did, you know, so many things have happened. And then when I look back on them in a review mirror, uh, I feel that power greater than me is uh, working there and knew exactly what it was doing uh, to, to prepare me for the next 14, 16 months until I could get back into a studio again. What kind of, uh, what, is there a, you know, this is, what kind of yoga do you typically teach? Like, uh, um, I do primarily just the, the therapy now. Yeah. Um, it is a um, Hatha Vinyasa based. Uh-huh. And, um, but again, it, it's very somatic as well. Um, and so it really incorporates a lot of different things. And there are sometimes I'll see somebody do something, you know, maybe another teacher or whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, that's cool. I'm going to snag that, you know, I'm going to borrow that um, because I know that this is going to do this, this, and this for my people. Yeah. And, you know, when I incorporate it, it, you know, um, I can see the shifts making. So it's really fun. Um, But no, primarily it is a Hatha Vinyasa based yoga. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, what I was taught in was uh, the Baptiste style of power vinyasa and very physically and moving. And and that was good for me because that didn't look like what, you know, when I pictured what yoga was, it was not this. And those times when I got my ass handed to me, which I still did just this past Sunday, uh, Melissa, you know, and I, but I know today that I, you know, it is my practice. So I I don't have to, my, I can set my ego down and take a break and not, you know, uh, kill myself in there, allow myself to uh, be where I'm at that day. That's the other thing yoga will do to you. You know, it it can really show you where you're at that day. And I'm not talking about how physically strong I am. I'm not talking about that. Uh, it, it can show me where I am as a spiritual being. And uh, it, you know, simple yeah. thing is if I'm having problems with balancing poses, there's something else out of balance in my life. You know, when I'm not, when I'm standing there, great, you know, so it's kind of symbolic of some other things. And, and uh, I needed that movement in my life. So are most of these people, uh, I won't, are they, um, Military and first responders, is that what you said? Um, I did work for many years with military. Um, my husband was active duty. We were stationed here at Fort Riley. Um, I live in Manhattan, Kansas, right outside of Fort Riley. And um, that's actually how I kind of got into this. I mean, you know, kind of like you, I didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to teach yoga. Yeah. Um, you know, I started taking classes for me. I wanted to have a strong practice. I didn't want to go to anybody else's class. I just wanted to do it on my own. And, um, after my first class, a teaching training class, I got two job offers and I said, Oh, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. So I took the job offers and, uh, cause I was able to do both of them. And I really caught the bug of taking, um, teacher training classes. And so I started taking more and more classes. I can see it how came can up work. that I could take these classes for PTSD. And I said, well, I live in the belly of the beast. We have Fort Riley here. We have people coming and going from deployments, you know, like 
this would be great to be able to help my community. Mm-hmm. And I was about halfway through the first day and I said, oh, shit. Excuse my French. Um, the first person I need to work on is this girl right here. Yeah. And it really started my whole self-discovery healing journey thing that I have been on. And along the way, I've been able to, to help people as well, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, I'm a work in progress like everyone else. Yeah. And, uh, and there's some dynamic we, of when you're putting yourself out there to help other people. Uh, and we say it in recovery, you know, when some guy's thanks me for sitting down with him and working tonight. Uh, You're helping me more than I'm helping you actually. Yeah. And so it's a really wonderful thing. And, um, you know, again, to watch um, people make shifts on a mat, it's priceless. Yeah. You know, it really is priceless. So yeah, the little Um, milestones and the little things that you didn't think you could do, or maybe you couldn't do this last week. And, uh, you know, as you, that the whole growth thing that happens in, uh, in your practice as you, uh, I don't even want to use the word get better because like, it's a completely not a competition, get better kind of thing. But as your practice strengthens, uh, that's, there's, it's, it's just so embodied that as that, as that strengthens, I strengthen and, and not just physically, but I strengthen in my, my insides too, my soul, my spirit, my brain. So uh, when you talk about yoga and then yoga therapy, what is the, you know, what's, how do you combine that? What, what, what is that difference? What is the difference between yoga and yoga therapy? That is a great question. And lots of people have lots of different answers. My answer is if you imagine yoga being a big pie and you split it down the middle and you have fitness-based and you have therapeutic. And on the fitness-based, you have things like, you know, Ashtanga and Baptiste and aerial yoga and, you know, co-ed naked yoga and whatever, goat yoga, yoga, you know, whatever it is, you you know, where you're really moving your body. And these are wonderful expressions of yoga. Um, Generally, the teachers are very well um, educated for what they're teaching, generally speaking. Um, And and it's very um, physical. Do they have a lot of knowledge of the the psychological and the spiritual that's going on? Some. And yet on the other side, we have the therapeutic yoga. And this is where we're specifically trained to really work with a a niche population. So you've got um, yoga therapy for cancer. Hmm. You've got cardiac rehab. You have, um, you know, MS. Um, you know, all of these different types of things. I just happen to be specifically trained for PTSD and TBIs. And that's where I work with. Traumatic Um, brain injuries. Traumatic brain injuries, yes. And so if someone is triggered on their mat, I know what I can do for them to help them. If you go to a regular fitness-based class and you have some sort of a trigger on a mat or an emotional release 
that instructor may or may not know how to handle that uh-huh. effectively. They might actually kick you out of their class for disruption. It is not unheard of. You also have to keep people safe. And especially if somebody gets triggered on a mat, um, you know, there are safety protocols that have to be in place to main, make sure they're safe. The rest of the students are safe. You are safe as the instructor. And so, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just, you know, everybody roll out your mouths and let's go. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, psychologically, there's a lot that goes into it. My classes are very different. If you were to take my class, you would be like, this is not like any yoga class I've ever been to. It is completely different. The lights are on all the time. We never turn out the lights. I never leave my mat. I probably would never touch a student. I very rarely touch a student. Uh, If I do leave my mat, I announce that I'm leaving my mat and I tell them where I'm going. It kind of eases the anxiety and they don't have to worry about looking behind them and what have you. Yeah. Um, I can, I can, that, that hit me when I was thinking about that is uh, I'm just not real super comfortable people moving around behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you were, you know, you could definitely have some uh, from, from PTSD and things like that. I, you could definitely be, uh, had not even thought about that. We do not use straps. Straps are nowhere to be found in my class. Um, for probably, you know, everybody, you, you can understand why not. Um, I use different languaging. Instead of saying, okay, we're going to go into down dog now. I would say, okay, when you're ready, we'll meet in down dog. Yeah. I'm going to invite you to join me in butterfly pose. When you're ready, take your time. There's so much psychological stuff that goes into the word phrasing, the word choices, the poses. There actually is a scientific method to the poses that we do in, in such a, a way because we want to um, really get the biggest bang for your buck there on the mat and um, work as quickly and effectively as we can. But getting into certain muscle groups that really hold on to trauma and we've got to get that released because nobody has to walk around with that baggage. Right. And so, you know, we start off warming up the whole body and then we really zone in to those certain muscle groups. And when you we're in the work phase, we're really working them. We want to ex- work them to exhaustion because then they'll release. Right. And then you have your cool down and your, your Shavasana and away we go. Yeah. Where did you, uh, how were you trained? What, where did you uh, pick up your knowledge and where did you get this, these, these, this, these modalities? I mean, I know some of it's come from what you said, practicing, uh, you've learned as you went. I was lucky enough. I, um, I started with yoga fit, which is a fitness based yoga, um, you know, uh, teacher training course, um, really great school, incredible, incredible trainers, incredible education. And um, I started with them. And then, like I said, they offered this warriors course and I kind of stumbled into that. And, you know, before I knew it, I had my 500 Hmm. and I was like, okay, how did that happen? When did that happen? You know? 
And um, I really decided, you know, I have PTSD. I know trauma intimately. Hmm. And, you know, that's nothing to brag about, by the way. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but I do. I know trauma intimately. And I was like, you know, you got to do what you know. And I know that this has worked for me. And I'm so grateful that it has worked for me, that if it can work for someone else, then I have this gift that I need to be sharing. Yeah. So from there, um, I became a student at Phoenix Rising School of Yoga Therapy. I'm still a student with them because, you know, you got to still be a student. You got to keep learning. You can't just say, well, you know, I got my 500. I'm done. No, you got to keep going. Um, I am a certified yoga therapist, which I'm just thrilled with. And um, but again, I just I keep learning. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Yeah. The. uh... 12 steps over and over again says in there, especially like once you're done, because you're never done. It's a lifetime thing uh, to continue, continue. And I, one of my favorite speakers uh, says some line of the continue to do those things in your, that, that uh, improve the quality of your life and recovery. And yoga was definitely one of those for me. Um, you said something a minute ago, oh, the warrior, what was it? The premise of the warrior training? Um. So a gal named Shay Mullendyke, she is a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, um, and she actually came up with this program. She was a psychologist, and with blending the yoga and the psychology, and um, what was really fascinating to me was that not only did I learn poses that would really help you release the trauma. And I I learned the scientific method of the way of patterning these poses. But, you know, she taught us, and you will learn in this course, how, what is PTSD? Like, what, how does this happen in the body? Because it happens in the body before it shows up as a mental health issue. Hmm. Um, What is that? How is, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And when you learn about parts of the brain and parts of the body and, you know, all of this stuff, which quite frankly, it's, it's high school biology. They should be teaching this in high school. Everybody's got a body and everybody's going to have PTSD at some point. Yep. Someone will have some sort of trauma at some point in their life. And by not giving this information out freely, we are really hurting ourselves because people can't fix themselves. Yeah, they you know, they know if they fall down and they break an arm, they go to the hospital and they get a cast. But when you have PTSD, nobody knows how do you help yourself with that? Yeah. And it's quite easy. It, it's actually quite easy. And this information is not readily available to the public. At least well, I don't these kind of a thing. I mean, and I will guess that, and this is just my thoughts on it, uh, that, um, you've got it before you know that you've got it. So oh, your mind yes. doesn't want you. You're, and I don't know. You know, people use the word ego or whatever. Uh, that you know, we don't want to think something's wrong with us. So even though deep inside there's some little nudge, uh, we don't want to say yes, I have this problem, or what the heck is my problem. So from PTSD, everybody, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on about PTSD. And personally, I talk a bit about the word trauma uh, being misunderstood just in itself. 
you know, what is trauma? What might be traumatic to me may not be traumatic to you. Um, you know, I use examples when I try to talk people into believing that they've had some when they say they haven't. Uh, when you were a kid, if you lost a pet, you went through a traumatic period of your life. And I know that's maybe not up in the levels of some things, but uh, loss in period, grief and, and loss can be traumatic. Uh, some people hear trauma and they think uh, violent crime you know, a violent crime had to be perpetrated against you or the jump all the way out to war, which is certainly something that would be uh, creates trauma. Uh, but it, but you don't have to go that far in order to, to have this. You can walk right outside your door or not even. Sometimes it happens within your home. Mm-hmm. Yes, trauma. And, and as you said, it's very individual. I mean, you and I could witness the same mugging and one of us could be completely traumatized and the other person could be like, eh, all right, there's so much that goes into it. And, and a lot of it is, you know, what was your mind frame an hour within the incident? You know, what was your stress level leading up to that event? You know, what other um, traumatic events have you had in your life? Um, you know, there's all these different things that, that really come into making a PTSD, you know, event in your life or not. And so not only is it so individual, the the actual onset, but then the healing from it is also just as individual. And so what works for me may not work for you. You know, you said you needed more movement, you know, and there are some people who do, who need that movement. I know a gal, she loves self-defense. That's her gig. That's great. When I do self-defense, I get agitated and Mm. I get arrogant and I want to kick everybody's ass and I'm not a nice person. Like I don't like myself in that, you know, position. And so I know that self-defense and karate and, you know, great, beautiful forms. They're not for me. Right. And it's really about finding what it is. Some people like to run. So that's sometimes their mojo. Go get your run on. It may not be yoga, but try, try different things. You have to move your body though. That's the key. You got to move your body in some form or fashion. I believe that fully. You know, whether it's as active as a Baptiste, you know, a session, or if it's like a yoga therapy session, like I'm doing, um, or it's running or it's martial arts or it's going for a hike or whatever it is, just move. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When I get to working with a new guy and almost always, those are some of my early questions and of, uh, you know, what are you doing to move your body? Uh, because it's going to be, you know, I've incorporated that into my personal sponsorship and, and, you know, that's a part of my, uh, teachings when I take you through the 12 steps. Now that's not in the 12 steps anyplace, right? There's nothing in there that says that, but there's nothing in there. that says you can't add to either. And, uh, but I've heard somebody say, uh, in a, again, I'm a long way from like educated on things. It's just from being around the steel for a little bit that, uh, uh, and this is going to be wrong, but it's right. Uh, one of the best defenses with against depression is exercise, you know, and I, that, that you move. And I think there's something to do with that issues in the tissues kind of stuff, because I really do when I'm doing like twisting poses and ringing, you know, I know that is doing something 
that's on a level that I can't explain on a ringing out and moving like trauma or stress that's piled up and puddled up in spots in my body, you know, that otherwise won't get moved and processed by the wonderful uh, system I have here that is built to process that stuff. But as long as it's stuck over there in a wad, uh, I, I need to get it moving around. Absolutely. You know, but the healing is just as individual as the event that created it. And so, you know, you kind of have to be a little bit of a detective because mm. you have to figure out what's going to work for you and then do it. Yeah. Yep. Action. So I yeah. suppose in that de department, you have to be a detective in uh, when you're helping people because you one thing is, is there, and they may not be, but like one of your teaching, what you're seeing, what you're getting is not going to be verbal. I'm guessing you're an individual in watching people's reactions and how they do in a certain pose and, and being very observant. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a type of listening without words. Listening. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things about my class is that um, I'm not a talk therapist. And so don't let the, the word therapy, you know, fool you. I'm not a talk therapist. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I'm a yoga therapist. I, my whole scope is to move your body in a way so you release trauma from your body. That's my whole scope of practice. Now, we both know that sometimes when you're quiet, that's where the scary shit is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I talk the entire class. I talk about current events. We talk about sports. We talk about anything and everything. We talk a lot about food. Generally, most people are hungry after my class, um, but I am talking the entire time and I throw in there, you know, um, from here, we're going to, when you're ready, move into, you know, this pose da, 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 and then I go back to my conversation. It's very interactive. We're always talking back and forth and what have you. And so people don't even talking also. I'm sorry. The students are talking also. Absolutely. Yes. I am conversing with them. We are all talking and you know, they don't even realize that they're moving their bodies half the time, hmm. you know, and that what's happening. And so we're just yakking. But yes, I am reading. I'm reading. How did they answer me? Maybe what they said. What was the expression on their face? What is their body, you know, language telling me? How did they move into this posture? How did they move out of this last one? Like all of this kind of stuff I'm reading to see where people are at and what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I can. Uh, um, I know some. Uh, the teachers uh, at the studios I go to here in Louisville, uh, many of them have a lot more to them than just calling poses. And, uh, and and although not necessarily trained to do things, I, I know one in particular that is uh, has done some stuff on, and the word she uses is trauma informed yoga. Uh, and, uh, she's talked to me a little bit about it, um, because I've been in her, in her classes and sometimes I'm, uh, the model sometimes, you know, for the poses, you know, if you, if you don't know what to do, look at Dan, uh, he's usually knowing how to do this stuff and, uh, talked a lot. She's talked a lot to me about like avoiding certain poses in those trauma informed classes that cause people to be, 
uh, you know, particularly uncomfortable. And, and I, when she told me that, you know, it made perfect sense when she told me, but it didn't ever even enter my wavelength until she voiced it to me. I was like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, that would be, uh, that could make somebody who is, um, it could, I could see how that would trigger somebody and create vulnerability beyond the point that they are prepared for today. You know, that's a great example of um, differences between the classes. Um, Shavasana, which is final relaxation, generally, and it, I'm sorry, my favorite part, <laughs> everybody's favorite part, nap time, right? Um, you know, generally you lie down on the mat, palms facing up, feet out to the sides. Um, you're, you're pretty much spread eagle. Yeah, I like a like starfish. <laughs> starfish, however you want to describe it, right? For some of my people, that's, that's too much. That's too vulnerable. And so in my class, you get to lie any way you want to. Do you want to lie on your side? Do you want a blanket over you? Do you want a pillow to snuggle up with? Do you want to lie on your stomach? How do you want to lay today? Yeah. And there is no right or wrong answer. It's yeah, however definitely. they're comfortable. Definitely a beautiful thing that when you can allow people to truly, you know, I've heard it said, you know, this is your yoga class. You do good. And that's exactly that. That is allowing them to have the yoga class and have what they need today without getting stretched too far beyond, you know, their, uh, you know, there's something about getting out of your comfort zone too. So there's some value in that area too. Well, there uh, is, but you know, there's a time and a place for it. And right. this is not the time or the place for it. Um, but there's also some psychology with that. And when you've experienced trauma, generally you've had your power taken away from you. Yeah. You were powerless in a situation. By allowing people to make a choice for themselves, you're giving them back their power. Yeah. You're allowing them to take it back and utilize it. You're empowering them to make a decision. And so, you know, psychologically speaking, it, it's far more important than how they decide to lay. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I'm real familiar with the powerlessness from the 12 step stuff. That's one of the very first words in the thing. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it does, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that we get told we're powerless, we're powerless, we're powerless. And it's not just over the alcohol. It's about a bunch of stuff in our life that we're powerless about. But the fact is, is as I walk through here and heal, I get my power back. You know, I'm repowered uh, and, and then end up, you know, being empowered to uh, resume control of my life at some level. Um, did a... Uh, I've had somebody lately talk about, I think it was covert PTSD. And I'm not, they put a C on the front of it. C PTSD. That's complex. Oh, is it complex? Complex PTSD. Yes. Not fun. Um, so what that generally means is that something occurred in your childhood that is now repeating as an adult. It's, it's being brought out uh, as an adult. Um, and so you have to really work on rewiring the brain. And, and that's really substantial because, I mean, you're talking years now of programming. Right, programming. That you have to work 
against reprogramming. And um, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. Nope, nope. You know, that's another uh, message that aligns. You know, as I do these things and I do these podcasts, you know, and I'm very, um, I've had a wonderful 12-step teacher. You know, I mean, just beyond my understanding, another one of these miracles that come into my life. And, uh, and he actually, he's also a chemical dependency counselor. And, and uh, we talk about the programming we get, you know, unintentionally, mostly, you know, some, some of it, you know, sometimes that programming is intentional. We've been, maybe the religious beliefs of our, you know, family is a uh, programming, you know, that was put into us and it was put into us on purpose. Uh, but we do, we get, we get programmed to, to behave. And, and I know now today there are certain things, you know, if you pushed button A on me, you were going to get result B and I had no power over that. If you, if you hit me and trigger me there, this is going to be the next thing. And even as much as I wanted to not do that, I couldn't help it. Uh, it was when you put in 563 in a jukebox, that song played. And uh, it's really hard to let go and actually surrender to that, to that thought too. Um, I have an opportunity to work with some military people and powerlessness is usually not in their vocabulary because of uh, they've been trained <laughs> to not, you know, that they have power, that they are what they, you know, like warriors and, and that when you start talking about, you know, weaknesses, it's really hard to uh, get people to, to see that. How do you approach like, as far as like the reprogramming uh, in, 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 in what you do? Um, well, you know, again, because I'm not a talk therapist, I don't really delve quite into that. Um, I can tell you me personally, um, you know, I see a therapist and uh, I am actually working on some reprogramming. It's really funny. I'm actually, I am working on this right now. Um, and I can tell you it completely sucks and um, it's not pleasant and I hate it, <laughs> but I know that once I get over to the other side, I will be so much better for it, yeah, but yeah. going through the muck sucks. Yes, it does but there's no other way to get through it. You know, there is no cheat sheet. There's no silver bullet. There's no nothing. You just got to go right through it. And, um, but life on the other side is, is much better. Yeah. Well, you have to face things and, uh, and walk through them and these fears, uh, I guess it's another analogy. A lot of the stuff works in a lot. I like talking in analogies is that, uh, that, you know, I was born with this backpack on, a trash can with shoulder straps and all my life, every experience I've had, I've been putting in that trash can and uh, some of them good, some of them bad. But the same thing is like when you put a bad apple in a barrel of apples, it makes the rest of them bad. We have this negative bias. It's like, it's, I think it's kind of a human condition that, you know, a pound of uh, ounce of negative weighs more than a pound of positive. And, and, and as you get that, my trash can starts filling up and before long, and I may not admit that to you and I'll shine myself up in my new car and my big smile and my really hardworking attitude at work and all these things that makes me look okay. But inside I've got this stinking trash can that I don't know what to do with the contents of. Uh, and almost like an, like a, like a hard drive in a computer. Um, when, when things hit that hard drive, they never really go away. 
you know, the FBI comes and gets your computer. You thought you deleted it. <laughs> nope. It's still there. And I think we're kind of the same way, this stuff. And we have to, we have to have methods that kind of like do that defrag on us. It's not going to make that stuff go away, but it's going to allow us to process it so that we're not, so it's, it's not as heavy as it once was. Exactly. Exactly. And actually um, we have the cavemen to think about, uh, to thank for this. Um, that actually has been programmed into me, into us since caveman time. And the reason for that is because um, it kept us alive. You know, you don't go out of the cave at night because that's where the tigers are and they eat you. They, you know, my neighbor down the street, that happened to him last week. So guess what? Nobody's leaving the cave after dark. You know, all of this negative kind of thinking was started during caveman times and it was to help keep us alive. Protective measures. It was protective measures. And, um, you know, so there's a reason for it. However, if I go out my front door at night, I don't really have to worry about tigers at this point. Now, are there other scary things outside my door at night? Potentially, but they're not tigers. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we are going against this, um, programming that's been since the dawn of time. Yeah, that's kind of like in our the human DNA now. It's, it really is. I don't know if that's maybe not exactly right, but it's that kind of uh, embedded data. It is. And so, you know, um, give yourself some credit. I mean, give yourself some slack, you know, give yourself some grace. It's okay. Um, you know, I've had people say, oh, you're so negative. Okay. Maybe I got an extra dose. I don't know, you know, but um, it's okay. You're allowed to think that way because truly it's been embedded into you. Yeah. Um, now, is it helpful? Probably not all the time, you know, and that's where we have to learn the balance. And I think it's the balance that we really need to find yeah. in our lives. That elusive balance. The elusive balance. It, uh, I, um, I see, is that essential oils over your shoulder? Yes. Yeah. I'll say that's another, uh, interesting topic. Uh, one of the things that 12, before coming into 12 steps, I was very closed off to most things. Uh, that's fear behind most of that. I don't want to, uh, in, get in, 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 uh, involved with anything I don't know and is familiar with me, but, uh, essential oils is a piece of my, um, the opening of my mindset, my open-mindedness, um, even crystals, yoga. Um, it seems like they keep on coming, Reiki, uh, things like that, 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 that are all, uh, I believe, pieces of, of uh, or ways to heal, ways to do things to heal myself. And uh, uh, I thought that's what those bottles were up over top of your shoulder. Yep. Absolutely. I love using them, especially for therapy. Um, you know, there's a couple different things. Um, if someone has an event on a mat and, you know, I can see that they're getting triggered, um, waving a, a scent in front of them, they can usually make a change in their brain within three to five seconds. Hmm. If you have someone do a breathing technique, 
although it's effective, it could take up to three to five minutes for it to work. So if we're talking three to five seconds to three to five minutes, I don't have three to five minutes to get, you know, help somebody get under control. And so, um, you know, right now essential oils, it's a big fad, you know, um, but I use them very therapeutically. Yeah. Um, you know, there are certain things that you can do with oils that you can't do with um, other modalities. There's pros and there's cons, obviously. Um, but for what I do, they're very, very, very effective. And I actually have a book, um, The Emotional um, Attributes of Oils. And during Shavasana, again, you know, when it's quiet, that's where the scary shit is. And so I read to people during Shavasana. And sometimes I read um, like yoga poetry. Hmm. Um, there's some beautiful, beautiful yoga poetry out there. Um, but other times I read this book, you know, and I'll just read a couple of the oils, you know, every kind of Shavasana and whatever. And inevitably, anytime somebody gets up from Shavasana, they're like, that oil that you were talking about, can I try that? Yep, I got it right here. Got it right here. You know, and so it's really funny that, um, you know, people are, are kind of connected with it. And again, you know, I, I worked, you know, with the um, Warrior Transition Battalion and these guys, you would be, you would think, you know, these big soldiers, they're, you know, here they are though, they're enjoying this wonderful yoga class. And then they get up from Shavasana and they're like, you just talked about basil, right? Is that the one that you mentioned? Can I try that? Sure, you can try basil. Yeah. You know, and, and, and here we're opening minds and, and, you know, and it's really very, very interesting. So um, there's a lot of wonderful things that, you know, essential oils can do for us. I use it a lot with my therapy and, um, I, you know, one of the many tools I have at my disposal yeah. and I use them all. Yeah, one of my, um, since the beginning of going, it's called 502 Power Yoga because we're 502 zip code here in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, right off the bat, they keep um, lavender towels. They mix a light lavender and in a white clean washcloth and they keep them in the refrigerator because we're doing 90 degree yoga. Yeah. And when you when you go to Savasana, they say, you know, there's a code lavender towel at the top of your mat and uh man to just and like when COVID first started hitting that's one of the things that went away before they closed up altogether uh saying so, everybody was missing the lavender towels now the flip side of that is is some people are oversensitive to lavender and uh so you do have to walk that balance point right. but uh it is one of my one of my uh I don't know that little piece of the whole practices means something to me. <laughs> People are making them at home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who does the yoga therapy, you know, who, who's it aimed at? Um, well, if you have a body and you've had trauma. So for everyone. <laughs> so everyone. <laughs> Well, I say um, uh, that, you know, I don't see, I see some people that look like they may have, but I don't believe them. Uh, but nobody walks through this deal unscathed. No. And I do know some people that, that are pretending like they are, and I'm just wondering what's going on there. Uh, but, but we're all going to, like what I said, that have our spirits stepped on, you know, when we were born spiritually and all that, we are pure 
We've got nothing has stepped on us yet. And as we go through life, various things are going to wind up stepping on your spirit. You know, it's the bullies at school or the teachers or the, you know, just various. It starts out really early, maybe your parents. Uh, so you're going to end up with that trash can full of stuff later on. Uh, how, who, how, who, but like, so let me ask you this, who ends up coming for real? Because we know that these people, one of the things we say in our 12-step spiritual recovery thing is that at some level, most people are spiritually sick. And when we say that, we're not talking about religion. That is not what we're saying when we say spiritually. We're talking about the spirit, the soul, the essence, the very thing, almost like a thumbprint that makes Dan, Dan, and Anissa, Anissa. There's not another one of us out there anyplace and that spirit. So when we're trying to, it's gotten sick over the years, essentially, it's gotten ill. And uh, we're trying to, to heal that spirit. Uh, who comes to your, who, who are the people who come? Well, when I was working with the wounded warriors on post, um, you know, it would be interesting to see who would come and who wouldn't. Yeah. Generally, the folks who wouldn't were the ones who needed it the most. Um, but that being said, I mean, I had all kinds of folks in my classes, um, you know, I had folks with physical afflictions. Um, I've worked with amputees. I've worked with folks with, you know, cancer. I mean, I've, I've worked with folks who are, are chained to a, a an IV pole, um, wheelchairs, crutches, braces, you name it, anything physical, I have worked with them. Um, and then you've got the folks who have the silent wounds, the unseen wounds. And, um, you know, everybody, everybody. And um, the way I, I teach the class, it's very inclusive. Um, I, you know, give a lot of different alternatives to poses. So that way you can find one for your body type. Mm -hmm. We always want to fit the pose to the body, not the body to the pose. And so that way, everyone can do the pose. Right. Not just those who have working arms and legs. Yeah. Um, and so that's really important. Um, it's an inclusive you know, thing too. That way you're never ever like leaving anybody out, right? That way you're covering the bases and nobody has to like sit over there and think that they're not able to participate in this one. So it creates that inclusive atmosphere. Absolutely. You know, my body is different than your body. And so you and I could go into the same exact pose, but, but our poses are going to look different and they should look different because my body is different than yours. Yeah. And so even if somebody has a physical affliction, they could still generally get into the same pose as the person next to them. It might look different and that's okay. Yep. We're still doing the same work. And that's, what's important. Right. Yeah. Because there's modified poses that will achieve the same result. Uh, that that might not even you know when you say it doesn't look the same you know your mock pose that is actually called and your double pigeon probably doesn't look like mine <laughs> and it's the same pose but it sounds like to me you're also offering these kind of alternative kind of things that they really won't be the same pose but it's the same uh the 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 the, the foundation behind the pose and why we're doing that pose are, are in alignment Sometimes, you know, again, it really depends on what the person is working with, um, you know, and just like me physically, like I have T-Rex arms, 
<laughs> I mean, I, you know, and so uh, literally poses that I do are going to look so different than yours. Yeah. Because my body type is different, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I offer a lot of alternatives. So people, but again, they're choosing which yeah. type of pose they want to go into. And again, so psychologically, we're empowering them to make their own decision. Yeah. Right. And to listening to their bodies. You know, when we have PTSD, the body and the brain are not on the same page anymore. And that's why you hear of people who like, you know, can, you know, the mother lifted the car off her baby and, you know, never thought she had the strength and whatever. Yeah. Because, you know, the body and the brain are not talking to one another at that point. Right. That's what happens with PTSD. Your body and your brain are not talking. Beautiful thing about yoga we know that the word yoga means yoke to bring together. We're bringing the body and the brain back together. And so a lot of things that I say in class are, you know, what are you feeling like today? How do you want to work this pose today? How do you, how do you want to get into this pose today? And so allowing people to really choose, you know, how deep they're going to go into a pose, how far they're going to go in, what alternative are they going to take? And then they're listening to their body, which means that the brain and the body are on page, on the same page. They're, they're talking together. That's when I know at that very moment, I know that they're healing because the brain and the body are talking. Beautiful. That's the essence of what I do. Yeah. I, uh, it's like a a rewiring it's uh those things have been severed and uh this is reestablishing the connection ports yeah uh, between things it's very much what i do yes absolutely one of the many things that i do in that hour on the mat yeah yeah uh yeah because to try and like explain what it all does uh many things like let's say about the 12 steps is a uh I can't tell you how it works or what it's, I can tell you the pieces about it. I can tell you a little of this and a little of that, but the truth is until you do it, you're, you're not going to know how it works. I don't know how it works. I just know it does. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it takes that action that we talked about earlier. Okay. So let me turn that question around. How do people find you when they're coming? You know, what are they, uh, are I don't think they're Googling yoga therapy. Um. So, you know, I, I come up under trauma. I work specifically now with women who've experienced sexual trauma. Oh. Uh, I'm a two-time rape survivor. And so, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed walk, working with veterans, um, you know, working with women who are like me, yeah, there's just something really special about it. Well, you're specially and, prepared for it. You know, I walk the walk every day. Yeah. And so I get it. Um, and so, you know, I, I have women who find me, you know, under sexual trauma, rape, yeah. you know, all, all of the, you know, great words that everybody wants to Google. Um, I'm online. I actually closed my physical practice. I live in Manhattan, Kansas, um, where the livestock outnumber the people and mm -hmm. the cows just weren't into it, mm -hmm. you know? So um, <laughs> I also think that there's something about a, a woman or, or anyone for that matter going into a class that's labeled yoga therapy for trauma, you know, and it's like, Oh, everybody knows I got trauma then, right. you know, and there shouldn't be the stigma, but there is, there shouldn't be the embarrassment, but there is. 
And by moving everything online, um, people can do it in the comfort and uh, confidentiality of their own home. Were you doing that before COVID? Absolutely. I had moved, yeah, probably about a year before COVID hit, I had moved online. There were certain groups that was ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, yeah but it was purely by luck, you know, yeah, just purely by luck. Um, but also, too, you know, I don't live in a very big town, and I wanted to reach more women. Yeah. You know, um, they say one out of four of us have been sexually assaulted or abused. We think that because of underreporting, it's probably one out of two women. Yeah. And um, I yeah, couldn't reach I was more. Tell you, there's one out of four, and the other three are maybe not telling the truth. Unfortunately, uh, so in my experience, to some extent, I mean, I can't say that for sure, but uh, I do, I do know uh, an incredible amount of people, women, who talk about it because in 12 step recovery when we're doing like this 12 step thing with that that's non-denominational it's not alcoholic it's not uh we we do we share people share their deep personal truths you know beyond what you would expect people to do in those semi-open forums although you know it's a closed atmosphere but the safety the safe spot the safe place has to be built and then yeah, that safe bubble. spot has to be maintained. And then the magical comes out of that, of that people are able to talk about things that they probably would have never shared maybe with anybody. And certainly not with this group of air quote strangers because we're not strangers anymore. But my point being is that uh, I hear enough of it that uh, it is, it's, 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 it's incredible. It's a shame. It's, I don't, there's no words to put around it. You know, when we're talking not about just this, females either. <laughs> no, it's not just females, unfortunately. But when you're talking about, you know, the the um, substance abuse and the trauma linkage, you know, we're talking about um, a gentleman named Gabor Mate, and he has done so much research and so much work with this. And I mean, he said most substance abuse, we're talking is ninety percent due to trauma. You know, um, I know that that was what, you know, my dad's alcoholism was really, you know, and, um, you know, people are just trying to self-medicate because again, they weren't given that information in high school biology to fix the trauma. Yeah. It all stems back to education. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll have a little bit of like. I was properly armed with some tools and was warned a lot when I was younger about you probably ought not do this and you probably ought not do that. Or here's where you would go if you need this. And, uh, and I couldn't listen back then as like a Superman complex thing where, you know, that won't happen to me. You know, you, you're talking, you might need to talk to Bill where I see he's had some problems, but not me, uh, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, what that seed planting it is planting seeds so that whenever this particular thing comes up and, and I talk about in my story, um, I ended up getting addicted to pain pills and, uh, and instead of buying them off the street, I started breaking in houses and stealing them. And, uh, I got caught. Uh, and, uh, I remember running around I didn't actually get caught that night cause I got away, but the dude knew who I was. And uh, I remember walking around saying to myself over and over again, you know, 
what in the F are you going to do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know, and, and, and I know when these kind of things are sitting, people are sitting at home and they've got this load you and I are talking about and they could be sitting there and they truly don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know. And, you know, if that little ping goes off that says, Oh, I remember hearing something about such and such so that they can maybe wake out of that stupor uh, of that, that the trauma does to you. And I don't mean, you know what I mean by stupor. I don't like a fog that that lays down over you where you are. You don't have the ability to think during those times. You know, it was really interesting while I was going through my, my yoga teacher training and she was teaching us about the parts of the brain and, and how the PTSD works and what have you. Um, It, I was like, oh, so you mean that's why I do this? Oh, you mean that's why I react that way? All of a sudden, the dots started to connect. I started to understand why I was doing, why I was living my life the way I was living it. And so part of my program is to actually, you know, not only do the yoga and not only talk about, you know, other things that you can do holistically for your body to help heal, but it's also the education. Because when you have the opportunity to understand what it is that you're doing and why, you know, I know in one particular time, I, I was in a situation and I could feel myself being triggered and I took one breath. And in that one breath, I said, okay, I see what's happening here. This happened and I was going to react this way, but you know what? I don't have to react that way. I could choose how I want to react. I get to choose. I get to choose. And it was in that breath that I made that correlation and I made a change. I didn't react the way I would always have reacted. Yeah. I made a change. And it was all because of that breath, all because I had the knowledge Mm -hmm. of what the hell was playing out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you was when I was saying earlier about these healing modalities being parallel paths, but they're just on separate tracks, you know. And when you're talking, what you just said there to me, I heard was my four-step inventory, where I inventory these things and I look at my reaction and what kind of uh, what are my what what specific uh, core traits did it hit? My core needs did it hit and ping on, and what did it threaten? And then, you know, and then also at the end, the last column on a four step is what did you do? You know, what was my actual actions that I did during that? And by the time I inventory that thing that I, and I, and I, and then we go through that with the sponsor in a fifth step, I start seeing what I'm doing. Cause one of the things also I believe is that I can't see me very well. I just really don't see me. Uh, but I have a guy called my sponsor that sees me a little better than I see me. So uh, he can kind of, Oh, Hey Dan, you're not, you know, you're doing, you're, you're going this way. And we teach a tool in 12, in 12 steps. And it's some of this stuff is so like base simple. It almost feels weird to talk about it, but there's a line that everybody uses and it's called uh, pause when doubtful or agitated. So that that's your breath. You just did, mm-hmm. you know, that's that pause rather than react to something I take a step back, a breath, I wait a minute, maybe I wait a day. <laughs> but uh, according to whether if the action's really needed, because so many things in life don't have to happen right now. 
you know, the, the react, the re, my response is not required at this moment. Uh, that's another kind of thing we're trained that we think we need to do it right now, whatever it is. And, and we don't. So when we pause and we breathe and we're able to kind of step back uh, and like you said, know that, Hey, that just hit this a button. And that's why I felt like doing B. So I get a chance to redo that and, and, and then respond accordingly. Uh, maybe saving a whole lot of damage in the meanwhile. Yes. And it's a beautiful thing. But again, you have to have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. You have to understand what, what's going on in order for you to be able to, to take that breath. Right. And it's not an overnight matter. It is not an overnight matter. It's just like why they call uh, the 12 steps. We practice these principles and why the, why yoga is called a practice. Yes. And you're not going to get it right every time. And that's okay. Yep. Put down the ball bat. You don't need to beat yourself with it. It's not helping. You're just adding to the baggage you're carrying around. Yep. So when it comes to that in this overnight matter, how long, I mean, what kind of relationships, because I think that's another thing I said earlier about building these safe spaces to be able to do this. Obviously, uh, people are not coming in and dumping their whole bucket the first time they sit down. Uh, what kind of durations are you working with people? Are you, I would assume you would have like long time, long term clients, uh, for lack of a better term right now. Well, you know, I have some folks that have been with me for years. Hmm. I have some folks that have been with me three months and they feel like they're good to go. Yeah. You know, everybody's healing journey is mm-hmm. so different. Right. And the beauty of it is, you know, um, especially as a yoga teacher, I'm sure you might've heard this before, you know, I'll have somebody come into my class and they'll be like, well, I'm just here to try you out. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yep. You know, and if it wasn't to your liking, you know what, that's okay. As long as you find somebody that does work with you that you know resonates with you that's what's important um so it's all over the place you know like i said i have people that i've been with for years um people who that's such a great piece place to role to play though and when you see people getting the long-term benefits of doing something uh what a blessing to to play to get to play that little part is way i say it you know i get to i was able to play this part in this person's life and they're so much better today uh, and ultimately from tools that were taught to me and me handing them, passing it on, you know, another, another 12 step philosophy is that I have to give, give it away to keep it. And uh, part of my, my, or part of our foundation is, is to continue to pass these tools along to other people. Yeah. And another thing that I, I really kind of sat down and thought about is, um, you know, when I was first raped, what did I need at that point in time that wasn't available to me? Yeah. And I wanted to create that for other women. Um, And so, you know, for some women, it might be what they need. For other women, it may not be. Um, So it's a matter of kind of finding your tribe as well. Yeah. Um, But I really sat down and thought about it. And, you know, how you're talking about your program Um, And, you know, there's the traditional AA route or NA or what have you, Um, you know, and even Weight Watchers, they have this community aspect of it. And that community aspect is so critical to healing. And yet when we talk about women who've been sexually traumatized, there is no community. 
It is this dirty, embarrassing, horrific thing that nobody wants to talk about. And so I've, I've created a group. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and we don't have to talk about the, the specifics. We don't have, we all know why we're there. We all know why we're there. We can talk about how it affects us and what we're doing and how we're healing. And if we have questions, we can ask questions or whatever, but we don't have to talk about the actual event or right. event. Um, but there is a community aspect and that community aspect is so critical to healing. And, you know, when I teach yoga, um, I never had, I, I never liked it when people were in straight lines. You know, I always liked having a horseshoe hmm. because it created a community. Yeah. I like my AA rooms set up like that too. And my 12 step rooms set up like that too, rather than rows and columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's always behind somebody. Uh, when I get to lead, I like to try to get everybody. Can everybody here see everyone else's face? You know, and if if we can look around and see everybody else's face, then we're in a good position from my standpoint. <laughs> I, I want to be able to look around and see. The other thing that I would do is um, if we do have to do rows, um, I would always have the women go to the back and the men come up front. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I had this one guy, I had a really good rapport with him. He was a soldier. We were on post. I had a great rapport with him. And he said to me one day, why do you always do that? I mean, isn't it, you know, uh, because of, of, of chivalry, if you will, that the woman should be up front and the men should be in the back. And I said, well, you would think so, except for that would give all of the men a, a wonderful view of every woman's ass. Yep. And he goes, oh, I didn't think of it that way. He goes, but that means that the chick behind me is looking at my ass. I said, no, nobody's looking at your ass. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, that you came know, to like, me uh, somehow, and it was, again, organically. Nobody told me that, but I started finding myself moving to the front of the yoga class uh, because it kept my distractions down. And, it, and, and if I'm doing my poses the way I should be, then I should not be in a line of sight really of anybody else, even to the side. Cause if I'm doing a twist and I'm trying to get to the ceiling and if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and I, and I tell my friends that I bring, you know, that truly was, and I didn't even know it. Uh, that was a piece of my yoga discipline to keep Dan where he is supposed to be on his mat here. He's got no business looking that direction. And, uh, and it, uh, I guess a, you know, the universe, God, whatever gave that gift to me. And so I go to the front of the class. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people don't even think about it, you know, um, but yep. that is something that I always would do in my classes. Um, when I teach now, it's always just women. So, you know, uh, wherever anybody wants to be is, is totally yeah. cool. Um, and of course now with everybody being in their own separate homes, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, but that being said, I still like the horseshoe because I still like the community aspect of it, um, rather than a class, Yeah. you know, per se. Yeah. We have a group here, not a class. Exactly. Yeah. I'd heard somebody talk about, and they used the words, uh, and they were trying to put in one bundle around these different things and they called them mutual, mutual support groups. Where we have a content, we have a common, you know, A said we have a common problem and uh, we also have a common solution. So those two things bringing us together. And uh, what Joseph Campbell and the hero story, 
the hero's journey. Mm-mm, haven't heard of it. I got in to listen to him. He was a preacher from some time ago or a um, religious man of some sort. And, uh, and, and, and I got turned on to the movie finding Joe, which is about of Joseph Campbell's principles. They showed it on him one night at yoga teacher training. We sat down and had popcorn and pizza night and they showed us this movie and it touched me so much. I came home after that night and I watched it again. And I, uh, throw that to, uh, it's almost like if you're going to work with me in the 12 steps, it's required watching. <laughs> I was like, here's one of the things you're going to watch. But it talks uh, in a nutshell about this trauma that's going to happen in your life, whatever it is that you're this that you're going to have to go to the top of the mountain by yourself at some point. Uh, and my job in life is to process and heal from that, and then to finish the circle, what I got to go back and do is go back and get people who were in my same shoes some time ago and show them how I walked through it. And you know, with your uh, trauma uh, experiences of your past, uh, that's exactly what you're doing. You're going, you know, you've you've received you somehow or another have gotten this toolbox in various ways. You know, maybe some of them you actually aimed at picking up these tools, and some of these tools came landing in your toolbox uh, when you weren't looking. That's the same thing for me. And then uh, what I do is go out here and uh, and and use my toolbox to go back and help people who went through the same thing that I have survived and uh, show them how I did it. And that's in a nutshell is the hero's journey. And at some level, he says, that is the meaning of life <laughs> because you're not coming out of here unscathed. So heal from it and go back and help other people walk through it. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and that's truly what I'm doing. Yeah. Finding Joe is on YouTube for free. Okay, cool. Iron 40 minute movie. It's kid friendly. It is, you know, I tell, I tell my friends, sit down and have your kids watch it with you. Cause there's so many little lessons in it that are just so fundamental. And a lot of it is, uh, most of it's coming more from a Eastern Buddha type of Buddhist type of philosophy. Some of it is talking about that. Uh, most of it is it's, it's very non-denominational. It's very, you know, uh, you talked about stigma earlier and saying yoga therapy, and I can understand that completely because if you tell somebody 12 steps, the first thing they do is throw up the flag that they're not an alcoholic or a drug addict, drug addict, you know, and it's so hard to get through. You don't have to be, well, why would I do it then? Well, you know, you seem to be hurting, you know, things don't seem to be going just real great for you, man. And I'm offering you a tool that may or may not help you. And guess what? it's free. <laughs> uh, it doesn't cost them any money to try it, you know, and because uh, these type of mutual support groups and, but you throw that, uh, the stigma there. And then so many people uh, link up uh, 12 steps with, uh, with a religious program because the word is God is used so often in the wording uh, over and over again in the book, it says, it's a God of your understanding. It's a higher power that how yours, it's completely yours. You get to make up your own, you, you know, but everybody else, they can't, that training that we talked about earlier here in the United States, you're trained to think God is a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And many of us have sometimes felt like God has either not protected us or not been with us or not, you know, so there we have that resentment about it. And, and, I'm, and I'm pitching it to the side. And you know what the bottom line to these things are? 
we are holding big time resentments and grudges over grunt noises we make, you know, just words, God, therapy, post it. You know, it's just, it's, it's words. And once we can get underneath of that and get people to see what the tool really is and what we're really trying to teach here, um, it, it, but getting past that stigma is tough. It is. And it's not for everybody. And that's totally cool. You're right. Um, you know, as long as you find your way, that's all that matters. Right. In a healthy way. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, I'm originally from New York. So um, it, being here in the Midwest is very different for me. And uh, I live in a very conservative place. And I've been told that I do the work of the devil. Wow. You know, and so um, I have a lot of people say, hey, oh, isn't it a religion? And da, 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 da. No, it's about a relationship with yourself. And if your church has a problem with that, maybe you need to look at that. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, no, yoga is about a relationship with yourself. It's yep. a beautiful thing. Like I said in the beginning of this thing, uh, I think I said it. It's an inside job. It is. I got to get connected know, with this in here. And the yoga, yoga certainly has had the the single most the single uh, the most impact of anything outside of since I got sober. I had to get that I had to get the chemicals out of my way before I could be open to doing anything else. Uh, once I got that out of there, yoga has had such an impact on my life. There's not another single thing I've been exposed to that's done for me what yoga has done for me. But, you know, for some people, again, it's self-defense work. It is body yep. um, or martial arts or it's running or hiking, whatever it is. Again, it's your relationship with yourself. That's all the, those things are. Yep. I mean, yeah, you're moving your body, but you're also with yourself. Yep. When we get into that, uh, just to swing back in that higher power thing of uh, a higher self, you know, that's, I think that's really the same language. I think it's all, that's really the saying the same thing as I'm getting in touch with my higher self, the better side of myself, what, what's really in here. Uh, I don't, there are some people, and I still think the people that I was going to say, I don't really know that there's any bad people. I think some are more deeply wounded than others. And that is where the bad actually is coming from. Not that there is actually some, now, I know that there's some mental illness and there's some things in there that can actually, that, that can sway from that. But for the vast majority of us people walking around, it's not a matter of good or bad. Uh, it's a matter of healing and it's a matter of sick or well. And if you're wounded, uh, to use some other terms from other, if your inner child is wounded, you're going to show up looking like a bad person. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. In there, when we get that healed, uh, we can find that higher self, that true spirit that's inside of us and, and, and allow that to be what shines through, not the, uh, not the one worried about walking out of the cave because of the uh, tiger is going to eat you. How do we find you? How do you, uh, how do you, uh, how do people join? How do people contact you to get, TraumaHealingYoga.com. One more time. TraumaHealingYoga.com. I bet that's on this. Yep. 
and a Facebook page and an Instagram. Yeah, I'm like a bad penny. I just show up all over the place. No, um, you know, you you really, you know, as we said earlier, you got to make this stuff available, to people, as yeah. widely and as as wide as you possibly can, uh, because you don't know who and where people is going to be walking when they trip over it. I joke around, you know. I st- I use the word God a lot because I'm not a. I know that I have a a higher power of my own that is my own and I'm comfortable with it. And I just easy to say God, but God lays sticky notes around in the world for me. And, uh, and, and part of my job is to go around, pick them up and read them (laughs) and see. So sometimes that, uh, that sticky note for somebody else in their life, the universe is going to leave that sticky note for them in uh, on uh, Instagram or wherever. And I want those right. to be laying every place that they can be laying. So that the people that need to help. And like you said, they may not need or want your kind of help. Uh, but at least it'll be there offered to them. And uh, um, uh, when guys come into 12 step recovery rooms, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be their sponsor or not, but I'm going to throw my name in the hat. It's about finding your tribe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if anyone wants to download, my, I have an app. Again, it's Trauma Healing Yoga. And so you can just download that from, you know, Google Play or um, Apple. And um, you can get connected right away. So it's called, say, say that once more, because it is not on my sheet. It doesn't look like. Trauma Healing Yoga. And again, you can download that from Apple Play or Apple or Google Play or whatever. And uh, it's an app you have on your phone, tablet. And uh, there's a free gift there. There's a meditation. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. So, um, but again, that it could be a, like a, could that, could that, I might be jumping here, but that could be a, like a, uh, um, I've lost my words. Um, maybe somebody's in crisis. Uh, that could be something that they could reach to uh, right now. They could if they needed to. Um, I don't do a whole lot of crisis work. I usually, um, you know, help them find um, help where they're at. Um, but I most don't do a whole lot. That, most time I think of sort of like the read from the drowning man, you know, just something to grab for to at least hold on for the next few minutes till I can get to where I need yeah. to be kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, generally I work with women who um, are about six months past their event. Um, usually within the first six months, people are so very raw. Mm-hmm. They can't quite hear and they can't quite put things into action, which is completely understandable. Um, I do every once in a while, I have a woman who does go into crisis. Again, I'm able to find her help where she is, get her situated. Um, you know, my, my work does not generally deal with crisis. I can, but it doesn't generally. Um, but it's more about, you know, okay, you've had this happen. Now, what do you do? Now what are we going to do? You know, what's the first step? What are you going to do now? You know, how are you going to progress from here? Um, and I have women who are, you know, six months from their event. I have women who are 25 years from their event. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it. everybody f- still feels the same. We all have the same emotions. We all have the same feelings. We may not have them all at the same time, um, but we all know where we're, we're coming from. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. 
So it's really interesting to see and some of the, you know, women who are farther along in their journey, um, how they circle back to help those who are new and what have you. So it's really lovely to see. And I'm sure you see that in the work that you do, yeah. um, you know, that's circling back and, and what have you. Um, yeah, look at it like a line full of people carrying lanterns, you know, and um, there's nobody really in a in ahead of one another or whatever, but there's always a lantern to look forward to and there's always a lantern to reach back for also and uh, and, and, and and walk together and there's a lot of uh, a hell of a lot of safety in that because um, I'm sure that this is this very isolating type of thing of you know, you throw the shame on top of it, you know, and, 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 and they're all alone and, and you get the feeling. And even though it doesn't make any sense at all for me to sit here and say it, I still know that to be the case. Cause it's the same thing in our places. Like you feel like that you're the only alcoholic alive, you know, yeah. I'm the only one. And when you're able to join up with people who have went through it too, uh, that feeling of that comfort that comes from knowing that you're no longer alone. Uh, one of mine are, we have a million cliches in 12-step recovery and it says uh, you, you know you'll you never have to be alone again unless you want to <laughs> unless you want to hey you know my dad worked the program and I remember pool parties you know where I mean there wasn't a drop of alcohol but there were a lot of people having fun yeah and they were having fun together and I mean that why do you have to have the alcohol then? Yep. Look at all these people having a great time being together with themselves. Yep. And, yeah. If somebody the sees me, if somebody's down the road with a pair of binoculars and they're watching me and my buddies, they're going to say those dudes are drunk because <laughs> we're having fun. And, uh, yeah. and, and no, it's, it's hard to see that uh, we are having so much fun sober. And there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. Great. It's probably and better. The thing is, too, that that like with the new people that come around, you know, and there's a line in the book that says this: if the new people saw that this was no fun, why would they want it? Right? I mean, you know, boy, that looks boring. I think I'll go over there. Uh, and we're not just acting; we're, we 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 are. We're having the great the time of our lives because, frankly, the uh, before we got here, it was pretty effing awful. <laughs> pretty much you know and that's the whole community aspect and and the healing with the community that's why it's so needed um for everyone because you're not alone you know you're not the only alcoholic and i'm not the only rape survivor and you know we're not alone we just need to nope. find the tribe and then be together yeah. and heal together and it's a beautiful thing there's a book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger uh, that really hits home on that tribe thing. Uh, they get some bad connotations with that because there's some tribal stuff that ends up sounding like people want to <clears throat> say that's a bad thing. But I, I did. I needed to find my tribe. And right now I've got one so big I can't imagine. And I have seven friends and I'm one of eight guys that have fell together specifically tight, you know, for whatever reason, uh, there's a little bit, I'll take a little bit of credit of cultivating that because I have a desire for that in my, in my heart. Uh, but we're in touch with each other on a daily basis. And I know that I've got this, uh, basically a, like a seal team standing beside me 
and ready to be here for me at any moment. And I draw a lot of parallels to what what this feels like with these guys. At the same time, I listen to a lot of uh, PTSD and stuff like that from military stuff on on podcasts and YouTube and things like that. First off, it interests me from the standpoint, it's a little bit of a regret. I wished I'd have served someplace, but I never did. Uh, and then to listen to the, the camaraderie that these men get because of war and going through that trauma together and holding hands through it and then coming out the other side, uh, that's, a, that's a kind of uh, bond that doesn't get built easily. You know, that's a, that, and, and it is a very tough bond. And I kind of feel the same way with me and my guys is, is and, and again, whenever I say this, I said, I don't mean any disrespect to veterans because that's not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get in on that. All I'm saying is, is I feel that same kind of bonding with my brothers. And the only other place I really see it at that depth is with those guys, with the, with the, with the people who have come back from military, um, you know, and, and bonded in, in war, basically. But in a sense, you have been to war. You've been yeah, to the battle, your, your, your own personal war. And again, you know, you're with these other men may not have looked the absolute same. You may not have gone through the experiences with them, but it's all, you know, war. We all know the enemy very well, you know, exactly. and it's a common enemy. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it is a type of war. It is a type of battle. Yes. And so, um, it, for it, your life, it really is. And so I get it. Yeah. yeah. And so is recovering from sexual trauma and, and so many other things too. It really is. We're so worth it. Uh, that's another thing that's a, is a hard thing to get, you know, um, people to understand from that shame standpoint and different things that feel like they're damaged goods, uh, that I'll never be any good anymore. Uh, I mean, even down to, you know, like who, nobody, nobody's ever going to love me again. Uh, you know, it gets that kind of stuff. And the fact, you know, that's part of the reprogramming is that you are worth it and you are loved here. We do care about you mm-hmm. and <clears throat> rebuild that uh, self-esteem. These things just cut it down to the very, you know, cut it down to stumps and below when we go through things that are like that, whether if it's a bottom in alcohol or what you don't had a piece to do with, you know, and there's another thing people will say about that, that I made choices to do that. Uh, I understand that at some level, but it became a parasitic kind of thing where no longer was I under control anymore. It, it was like in a pair, it was like a parasite in me that, that I wasn't, I wasn't driving anymore. That thing had control of my life. And I think any kind of trauma can do the same thing. It's absolutely the same. When you have PTSD, you have to hit bottom, just like an alcoholic. You absolutely have to hit bottom before you can start to rebuild, yeah. ask for help, be willing to, to accept the help yeah. and make the change. Um, so no, it's absolutely the same. You have to hit bottom, just like, just like what you experienced. Yeah. And it's not pleasant and it's not fun and it totally sucks. Um, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is not the best hour of your life. Let me tell you. Right. Um, however, it's It's so worth it. It is so worth it. Absolutely. Because life on the other side is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. You do not have to feel like you feel today. Yeah. Um, 
but it feels you know we get stuck that's another word that comes around we get we get stuck and uh another one one of my favorite things was saying you know the good thing about being in a rut somebody's been there before it wouldn't be a rut (laughs) yeah so just follow the tracks up and out and uh yeah well uh Got any, do you have anything specifically you want to uh, pass along or any, uh, I have your, how to get a hold of your stuff. So I'll make sure I get that in the show notes. Um, is it, I will attempt, it's hard to tag groups in when I post the, the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll talk to you about how I, I can best do that too. Um Yeah, I have two free. Well, I have two free Facebook groups. One is, um, you know, healing PTSD with yoga, um, and that's open for everyone, male and female. And then I run a female-only group, um, and that is the women's um, surviving to thriving, and that is just for women who've experienced sexual trauma. Okay. Um, But they're both free. They're both, uh, you know, on Facebook. Um, we would love to have y'all come and join us. Um, even if, you know, just interested, see what it's about. And, um, I'm absolutely certain that, uh, there's some people in my circle specifically in that 12 step spiritual recovery, uh, dynamic that will be, that, that will be interested, especially in a woman's only type of group. Uh, you know, that's something I can't serve. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and it does get, uh, I hear, I hear quite a bit of that. My, uh, sponsor is a founder of that group and I've kind of, they call me Lieutenant Dan. Uh, but, uh, I end up in a position to, uh, to be a channel and, a um, a connector to help people, uh, get connected with things that could help them. So I'm really glad to have this, uh, this, new tool in my toolbox also not not necessarily for me but uh to be able to you know i do handyman work and woodworking and uh that's what i've uh do for a living today uh woodworking is my passion it's what uh it's what i like to do that's my Mm -hmm. therapy but it's also paying some bills and stuff too so um but if uh on the handyman side of things if i can't do the job you're looking for I at least try to hook you up with somebody who can. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what I do in my recovery life too. Uh, my life is really devoted to recovery. That's anything I'm doing that's not recovery related is either self-care or uh, paying the bills. Um, yeah, so I hear you. I would, uh, I, I'm certainly going to, uh, well, they will also be, they all listen to my podcast too. So they'll hear it there too. Uh, any final messages, anything you want to? No, I just want to thank you for having me on. It was great chatting with you. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do. This is really wonderful. Um, I love it when I get to talk with someone who is like-minded. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, That's what I mean know. about this universe, bringing people together like this. I end up getting to meet the most wonderful people. And yeah, it, it's been great. Um, you know, in some respects, COVID has kind of been a blessing for that. You know, yep. so it's top. It's given me a tool to uh, be able to sponsor people all over the world and be able to actually face to face help 
Uh, and, and I didn't have it before COVID. I was not, and I didn't know what zoom was the TV show I used to watch when I was a little kid growing up. (laughs) Uh, I never knew anything about, uh, about it. Now we have all these new tools and modalities and ways to do this. And the same thing, uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't be, uh, I don't know that I could be convinced that yoga would be okay, uh, through that, you know, would work like that, you know, but it does. And it may even work for some people better than, you know, there's a lot of people that are choosing because that's the same way our meetings are. You know, we went totally uh, online and virtual and now we're going back to in-person, but what we're going to have from now on, at least in my groups, in the men's groups, I'm in a, my home group is a men's only group. Uh, The TSSR has a few different groups and some of them are co-ed, some of them are women only. Um, We're going to have hybrid now. We're going to, if you want to go be live at the church and go meet up and hug and do all that, we're going to do that. And in there is a big old t- big screen TV. And if you don't want to come or maybe you're out of town for work, or maybe you're like my grand sponsor, which is my sponsor sponsor. He is uh, relegated to a rehab facility that he may or may not get out of anytime soon and in a physical rehab place. Uh, so for the first time in a long time, he's been able to come to meetings because of Zoom. Otherwise, he couldn't come. And uh, yeah. there's just so much. Uh, we get taught to do that when you heal, though. You start looking for the bright side, right? You're not looking under the rocks for the bad side anymore. That's a that's a sure sign of somebody that is healing is they're no longer doing that. Exactly. We leave that caveman mentality. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, I'm completely online. People can find me. Like I said, I'm a bad penny. I just keep showing up all over social media. And um, like I said, I have the app. And yeah, I would just love to make more connections. That would be great. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. And uh, same back to you. Thank you for everything you're doing to uh, to to help people heal. Uh, if you keep your eyes focused uh, in certain directions in this world, you can think this world's a pretty crappy place. If you allow the TV and other things to feed you, uh, you can you can think that there's there's more bad going on in the world than there is good. But I actually I believe the opposite. I just think we're camouflaged. We're the bad penny, and you know, you know they don't put us up on the news at night, and we're not we don't sell commercials on TV. But I continue to run into more and more people who are are doing this. Uh, for lack of a better way to say it, God's work, uh, the universe work, this healing work. Um, and, and I'm glad I've met one more. It, it, it restores my faith because this place can look pretty spooky if you're not, uh, if you're not seeing lights shine like yours is. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. And right back at you. All right. Well, Uh, I say two things every time I close this podcast. Uh, I don't know if I've already said it once tonight, uh, but there's a couple things I've learned. One real base thing in recovery I've learned, if it's working, keep doing it. And if it's not working, stop. (laughs) And and one thing is uh, closing this podcast with the same two things every time. Uh, If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out.
they want. 